Bearing blokes and waypoint wenches. Break out your walking compass. Score some points of interest. And it's worse than that, Jim. He's dead, reckoning. I hope you took your Dramamine, because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are a binary star system called the Feckless Moans. And this, my sweet landlubbers, is Talk Tall to Me. A cardinal point reference on the compass rose of prog rock, in which no room to swing a cat, Nick, and Oily's Omen will stock our galley full of every single track that red-to-red rock band Jethro Tull have ever called up to the main decks. From Warm the Bell This Was to the Rail Meet of Rock Flute, we will scope Scott Hammond's schooner, give way to David Goodyear's Galantine, and propel Joe Parrish's Pudding. And if we keep our pointers clear and our bosoms full of bolins, we may ride the fluting fashion boards, tighten the kippered king's valve, and joggle the jibbling jolly boat of Ian <laughs> Afternoon Watch Anderson. My favorite part about that is that all of those were real words, but none of them sounded real. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you see the email that I sent you? Sure did. It is unfit to speak into the airwaves, but let's say that nautical terminology is is awash with interesting things. It's spicy. Unintentionally. Exactly. Right, or right, right. Maybe it's, intentionally. I didn't mean to put this jalapeno into the chili, but... Yeah, it's not bad. I didn't mean to put this Scottish bot. I didn't mean to put this Scotch <laughs> bonnet. Scotch bot? <laughs> I didn't mean to put this Scotch bonnet. I, I do like fried food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nick, welcome back. We are here um, getting ready to talk tall about yet another track from the ever-widening canon of Jethro Tall. Widening canon into canyon. Boy, is it fast. Yes, we're on track number 10. Track 10 off of Rock Flute. 10 of 12. My goodness. We're a full metric measurement in to this album. We're a decimal in. We're one decimal in. And what is the title of the track about which we are about to talk tall, Nick McGill? We are going to talk about The Navigators. Ooh, I speaking of think, spicy. Was it the third or the second of the... Music I think videos. it was the second. Was two? I, I think, think so it was two, the yeah. second. Because yeah, the yeah. first one was... Hammer on Hammer? Or was that the last one? That was the last one. The first one was... This Gnunga may have been... Gap. The, the no, Ganunga Gap was definitely yes. the first one. Yeah. Okay, so this was the second track that we had the privilege of listening to. And now we are going to have the pleasure of talking about it. After we listen to it. With our ears, which I need... To lubricate. It's always such a good, such a good foley from you, Omen. Thank you. How you do that with with your toes and one orifice? I'll never know. <laughs> the secret is cellophane. Nick, let's have a listen to the Navigators.
Omen. That was the Navigators. Yeah, that was the Navigators. Do you recall any of your immediate sensations upon hearing that track for the very first time? There were tingles. Mm-hmm. There was interest, intrigue, I would say. Yeah. Given the scope of the Zealot Gene. Yeah. The theme, the sound, what it sounded like instrumentally and just overall how it was kind of a softer sound. And it was a bit, it was kind of the Ian show. It certainly didn't feel as well balanced as this this album does. Mm, mm, mm. So hearing Ganunga Gap and then this one as like the first two tracks that we were privy to, boy, howdy, was it exciting and promising to hear something so heavy and so different sounding. This song, this track may be my favorite off of the album. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a bold limb. I'm going to bold face this limb and then go out on it. <laughs> and then italicize it. <laughs> <laughs> I lest I amputate myself, I think that this this track for me has it all. Musically, it's got everything that I would want out of a Jethro Tull song. It's got everything that I could want out of a song about Vikings mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Viking and Norse content. It's got drama, it's got speed. Ian is in very good voice for it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a showcase, like you said, of the hardness of this, the the heaviness of this album. I mean, the album is called Rock Flute, and it delivers on that title. Yeah. It's rock and roll flute. It reminds me of Leonard Nimoy. You know, for a long time, people were like, believed that he was Spock. <laughs> really? And, and were like, Spock, you have to save us. Oh, yeah, people get weird. And yeah. and he, he wrote a book saying, I am not Spock. And I feel like I feel like Ian at some point wrote a book called Jethro Tull is not just rock and roll with flute. And then later Leonard, Leonard Nimoy was like, you know what, screw it. And he wrote a book called I Am Spock. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this is this is Ian Anderson's I Am Spock moment. Like this is like, yeah, you know what? You want rock and roll with flute? That, we'll, we'll just give it to you. Maybe, yeah. I mean, as you like it. Is oh oh goodness, is this what's the analogy in, in the SATs? Thick as a brick is to zealot gene as passion play is to rock flute. Go on. So passion play was obviously the like, oh, you want a concept album. I'll give you a concept album. Okay. And then this is like, oh, new tolls not hard enough for you. I'll give you hard. Okay. Zealot gene didn't really do it for you. Here, take this one. Swallow. If this was a question on the SATs, I don't know how highly I would score on it. But I think that there is an analogy there to be made. I do think this is... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It's okay. I'll take it. I'll get half credit. It's fine. I'm not going to college anyway. <laughs> I do think that this is a little bit of an embracing of like, yeah, it's rock and roll. We're a rock and roll band. We use the flute. We're going to give mm-hmm. you a rock and roll with the flute. And what I love about this track in particular is that even just when this song starts out, one flute. Two flutes. Two flutes plus guitar plus drums. It layers so much. It's almost like a musical thesis of the concept of this album musically. And then the blending that starts happening later on between the flute and the guitar 
is so exceptional that you could miss that it's two instruments in some places. Yeah. Because I think there's one point in one of those breakdowns where Ian and Joe Parrish are playing so well blended together that it almost transforms into a new instrument. And then he, and then there's another flute line on top of that. So it's, yeah, it's just incredible. The whole thing. Yeah, as we've been saying the whole album, boy, is this song incredibly well-balanced and incredibly well-mixed. I, I can hear everybody. Everybody fits well together. Everybody can be pulled out of the miasma, and they work well together. It's not just like, now we put in this instrument, and now we put in this instrument, yeah. and now this. It is a collective. It's an effective melange. It's an effective collective. Yeah. Yeah. It's an erective collective. Played in the right moment, yeah. It. Can I tell you my favorite thing about this song musically? It's the digital arpeggios that I can only assume were created by John O'Hara. Yeah. Where it goes, Yeah. Oh yep, yep, yep. my gosh. They come in at the beginning and then they repeat later on. They're so freaking delightful, and I don't think we've ever heard anything quite like them. No, that, I want to try to liken it to, like, a wave. And it, it kind of does give us a wave feeling, but it doesn't feel as, it doesn't feel dangerous enough as the waves ought to feel for this song. You know, it's not like the big wave that you have to worry about. It's like when the top of the wave gets so fine that the wind just blows the top off of it and makes it into sea spray. And that sea spray just kind of washes over you and gets in your hair. Yes, I approve. <laughs> there have been a lot of visual jokes this track so far. So uh, you're really missing out if you're not seeing the video of this podcast. And if you are seeing the video of this, then you are really missing in. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it could be like the manta rays that are flitting above the surface of the water. Yeah. Yeah, the sailfish. Yeah. The sailfish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The flying fishes. Yeah. Any number. The sargasso. The orcas working in concert to destroy your yacht. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of which, I am really excited to talk about the mythological implications of this song, but we're not quite there yet. Not yet. So not yet. what else do you want to talk about musically regarding this song? For what we heard in Cornucopia, the last song, there's very little preamble. For being a four and a half minute song, there's very little preamble. Yeah. We get those two little flute bits and then boom, we get the grungy guitar. We get great cymbal work, steady bass thumping in. Yes. It just jumps right in. It's nice. Yeah. And then structure wise, we have the, the ancient section. Mm -hmm. We take a little break to reset and then we go into the modern section. And then we do like five musical breaks in a row, each of which has a different flavor and a different format. Mm -hmm. And then we dive back into a verse or two of the ancient section. It's all three. It's all three. Of the, we, it's all three of the Eda, yeah. A whole Eda repeat. Yeah, which is new. This is the like the second time that we've had it not... Conclude in the modern. And at the third, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
but it hasn't been as full. I think the last time it was just a repetition of of the chorus, you know, the the rough version of the chorus. That was Hammer on Hammer. Mmm, okay. We had going back to, was there a time that I was Jupiter? Was there a time when I was Jupiter? Ringed like Saturn with sacred belt. And right, okay, so now this is returning and, and doing all three. Mm-hmm. So interesting, mm-hmm. breaking up the structure. And yeah. then a cheeky little outro that puts a nice button on it. Mm-hmm. And we outskis. I don't know if this is the first instance of it or not. I'm sure you will tell me. But we have the poetic Eda portion and the singing of the Ian portion. They sound exactly the same. He doesn't change anything for his version here. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure that that's the first time that we've had that. Yeah. But I did notice that this is less marked by a big change in musical style than a lot of other songs between yeah the Eda section and the modern section. And I have a theory as to why that might be. I hope it's a good one. It gets a little repetitive for me. My theories? Honestly. Yeah, your <laughs> goddamn your goddamn theories. This song. Because it's not broken up sonically, I, we have those really great bridges, which are awesome. They really showcase everybody. They work really well together. Ian's on top, obviously, but it's clearly not the Ian show here for these breakdowns. But in terms of the lyrics, him singing every single verse, and he's got eight, eight verses here that he sings all at the same, the same rolling clip, which feels like the waves rolling in, you know? I mean, I yes, suppose we yes. get that. And that feeds into my theory that may or may not be any good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, also sometimes I feel like sometimes as a singer, you want variety. Oh, sure. Sometimes you want to have that song that every lyric, every verse has a little bit of a different feeling to it. And sometimes you just want to get in the groove and like park and bark and jam it out. He's really in a vocally great spot here. Mm-hmm. He does have some little variations. I think sometimes he does bum, 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 bum. And sometimes he does bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Yeah. A little slight difference if you listen carefully. No, I got it. I got it. But I feel that there is, and we'll talk about this in the after party, but I think that there is a, whereas with Wolf Unchained, for instance, Mm -hmm. the song is about, there is this historical creature that was of such massive proportions that he could swallow the sun. And now I have a cute little doggy lying by my feet asking for tummy rubs. You know, it's sort of like, it used to be this, and now we're connecting it to this very small modern thing. In some cases, it's agriculture used to be the purview of the whole society, and now it's kind of relegated to a couple of individuals who do who still do farming so that we can eat food. This, I feel that perhaps there is more of a continuum of experience from the original seafarers of Viking culture to the current seagoing peoples who go out onto the North Sea to make their living. You know, of course, technology has changed a little bit, but the sea ain't having changed. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I do want to go back real quick. We have in Cornucopia, remember, it's first person of Frere, and then the very last verse in the Ian section is first person of Frere sleeping with the farmer's wife kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of a pullback in from that ancient time, but that's more of of a simpler, like we are doing this really simple thing. 
regardless of the tools, we're doing this really simple thing, as opposed to we're constantly going to battle with the sea. I think that's it. I think yeah. the story of this song is, in ancient times, the sea was a badass thing that you had to go out and really engage with, and you might die. And today, the sea is a badass thing <laughs> that if you engage with, you might die. Yeah. And some right, people exactly. still go and engage with it and are badasses. And die often. And sometimes die. The deadliest catch. Have you have you ever watched that show? Is that herpes? Yes. <laughs> That's the least deadly catch. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's the best thing you have in your crab pot. <laughs> no, the deadliest catch is about the Alaskan crab fisherman. I know. I know. Have you seen it, though? I mean, I think I met, might have seen like one or two sections of an episode. Oh, wow. It was my favorite. Yeah. Was it really? Television program for a number of years, yeah. I hate reality television, so it's no interest. I dislike reality, but I like reality television in some forms. And that... Because there's nothing realistic about it. Often, yes. Yeah. But that show was really groundbreaking in the way that they filmed it and... You know, obviously it was like every reality TV program, it was dramatized, but right. it does a good job of capturing the conditions because at the end of the day, you know, you can't fake the ocean. And so they are just capturing how freaking intense it is out there. Right. And it's great. Why the hell? I was just thinking about that show literally like just the other day and I cannot fathom why. Fathom? Ooh. You can't anchor on what made you think of it? Why don't you set a course for your memory hole? It's a bit foamy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seasick of this conversation. Yes, that much is clear. This song, being four and a half minutes, has a radio edit, which I believe you can find on the Spotify version. It's definitely not on the vinyl. It might be on the CD but I'm pretty sure it's on the Spotify. So it's a shortened version, which I think is probably what was used for... No, in fact, I, I know for a fact it is what was used for the, the music video because JDA, friend of the pod, let me know that it was a radio edit. Official friend of the pod, we have the bracelets to prove it. I should make a merch t-shirt with his face on there and it says friend of the pod. I'm very tempted now. Or you, you should and send or, it to him and I'll send it to him. Yeah, I approve any any impulse that you have, Nick. I've learned not to stand in the way of your impulses. Just a couple more things musically. This is in Common Time Signature. Probably I would count it in 8-8. Eight, eight. Mm. And it doesn't deviate from that. It just rolls along. And also at 240, there is an incredible guitar sting by Mr. Joe Parrish. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely class. <laughs> From 140 to 150, there's some incredible drumming. Mm. I think this this sort of song is easy to kind of get lost in the just thumpity thumps of the drums. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Scott Hammond gives us a little bit of variation there in that section. Really just displays, flashes a little tail like a whale, flashes some whale tail, and then dives back down beneath the surface.
Also, at the end of the second breakdown, we get like the shortest, tiniest little fill, but it's it's really satisfying. Mm. It's like a little chunk of granola in your yogurt. It's really nice though. It's like, oh, okay. And we go right back in. There's no, there's nothing, but it like everything stops, but that little fill and it's yeah. really quick, but it's, it's nice. It breaks it up. I'm really into this song like this. I'm going to put this on, on my hype running list. Mm. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I think it starts with that second breakdown and then we hear it in the second recitation of those first three verses. The bass gets so dirty. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's a pedal or if it's the synth, but you get that, like, you can hear that low string just, like, vibrating. Really hits you. Diesel-powered bass. Yeah, it hits you deep in the chest. It's like, oh, this is this is a dirty song. This is, like, grungy. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe kind of. <laughs> Oh, speaking of time signature, do we start with like a half measure or like a third measure? I feel like he starts into the first measure with that first flute. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, I believe there's a pickup there. Okay. And uh, one and a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One and a two, 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 two. yeah, da-da-da, ba-da-bum. That's a pickup. I was going more for... I don't think it's a full. I don't think it's that full phrase. I think he starts a couple of notes into that. Let's listen. Use your ears and tell me what they hear. Mm. Uh huh. Eight, one, two, three, okay. four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four. It's actually right on the measure. I was wrong. It feels like there's something there, though. Maybe it's just that little, the little double hit in the beginning. I think what it is, is, is actually, it's the reverse of what I said. It's all perfect. Say it backwards and a demon will appear. <laughs> and play the flute. <laughs> Instead of having a pickup, the regular phrase does have a pickup. The regular phrase is, da 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 dum bum 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 the phrase that he begins with is dun pata dum bum 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 bum. That's it. That must be it, yeah. So because you're missing the pickup, it sounds shorter because it is. Mm. Okay. One, two, and three, and four, five, six, and seven. Baka taka taka dum bum 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 bum. Taka dum pa dum pa dum bum. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. There it is. Sorted that out. Thank goodness. See it. Say it. Sorted. That's the British version of if you see something, say something. See it, say it, sorted. Yes, I yeah, I did not stop cracking up about it for months after we were in England. That's very funny. It's hilarious to me and probably not very funny to people who see it every day. Do they say it and sort it, though? After they see it? They must do. Yeah, they must. I, I saw it and I said it over and over again. And then you sorted it. I sorted it. Yeah. Thank goodness. Like my recycling. Can I tell you a little anecdote? Tell me the anecdote. Well, you know how much I hate Amazon. I didn't know that, but now I do. And I also hate Amazon. We all do and we all should. However, they had a big sale on robots. And so Katie and I got an upgraded robot vacuuming machine. A vacuum robot. 
our previous one would just bump into things, not collect a lot of dust, and then die in the middle of the floor. And I loved it because I love robots. <laughs> but the new one can see things, maps the space that it's in, and you can tell it, just clean this room, just clean that room, just clean over here. It'll take a picture of something and be like, I think this is an obstacle. I don't know. I'm not going to run into it. Uh, and I'm going to send you a picture of it so you can tell me if that's a permanent obstacle or something I need to be aware of or if it's just something like a shoe that happens to be there. Wow. It's very advanced and I love it. We named it BB12. Anyway, it's mapped out the house and was like, I think that this room is this. I think this is the kitchen. I think this is a living room. I'm not sure what this room is and this, I'm not sure what this room is. And so I named all of the rooms with nautical names, nautical adjacent names. So I now tell the robot, go clean the galley, go clean the gangplank. What's the gangplank? That's the entryway. <laughs> What's the bathroom? It doesn't clean the bathroom, but obviously I'm going to call that the poop deck. <laughs> Don't go to the poop deck, BB-12. Don't go. <laughs> BB-12, no! No! <laughs> Your fins are full of bilge water now. We have a robot. It maps, but I had to tell, I had to like tell it, oh, this is this room. I had to go into the map and do it. And ours is named Andrea, based off of the Robin Williams movie Bicentennial Man. He is a robot named Andrew. So we named our, our vacuum Andrea, and she has googly eyes on her. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. You named your robot a typically feminine name because you view cleaning as a woman's work, Nick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Glad we sorted that out. Actually, Andrea could can be a male's name in Italy. Oh. Well, that's why. Andrea is a, man, is a man's name. I pronounce it Andrea. Ah, that's a girl's name. Oh, okay. So gender is dead. Dender. Dender is Jed. Nick McGill. Omen said, here we are. Back onto the decks, all hands on deck. Here we are. Should we do the rest of the podcast as pirates? We are. Uh, <laughs> I, want, I want to say yes, but me heart says no. <laughs> Have you ever watched the Venture Brothers? Yes. Pardon? Yes, you made me watch them at some point. Oh, so brilliant. There's a character in there who is like... He's kind of like a henchman for the doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, the doctor is targeted by supervillains. Yes. So this guy's been a henchman long enough that he's been trank darted so many times that he's addicted to it. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He, he does things with the reward of getting a trank dart, and he gets shot in the neck. He's like, oh, <laughs> it's like being sucked off by an angel. <laughs> <laughs> So anytime I hear that pirate voice, oh, that's no. the phrase that comes into my head. See, uh, you gents don't carry dart guns, do ya? Yeah, tranquilizers. You gonna rat us out? Not if you give me a hit of dart. You wanna be shot with a tranquilizer dart? I have the dart monkey on me back. Just one man after this one. I'm going straight. I just need that one last dart. Just one more. Okay. Just Dude. dart. Yeah, this is creepy. Right in the neck if you don't mind. Oh, yes. Oh, it's like getting sucked off by an angel. A sweet angel with a drink light. Highly recommended. If anyone has not watched The Venture Brothers, they're on HBO. The final movie 
because they're not doing a final season. The final movie is slated to come out, I think, next year. So wait to binge it. Nick, let's talk about the historical context of track number 10, The Navigators. Now, if this was in a Greek context, mm -hmm. I would know exactly what god we're talking about. But in a Norse context, I'm much less certain. Why don't you blurb us? According to Ian, it is very, very short little blurb here. It is the Pappy to Freya and Frere. It's Njord. 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 Can you spell that? N-J? N-J-O-R-D. Njord. It is the god of wealth, fertility, the sea, and seafaring. That's all Ian gives us. Njord. One of the Vanir. Mm-hmm. Obviously. He was like one of the more powerful Vanir, if I remember correctly, from last week, from Cornucopia. We talked about him a little bit because he's Freya and Freya's dad. Yeah. Well, you know, in the context of the of Norse culture, the sea is so important. I mean, it is... Oh, God, yeah. It is trade. It is where a large majority of the food comes from. It The sea determines whether or not you can go and, and visit other other places. And so much of the culture, you know, is about seafaring. And so, of course, it would be quite a powerful god. Mm -hmm. The things that you rely on, obviously, they take precedence in, in your life and therefore your pantheon. Yeah. Like for, for the Greeks, the god of olive oil was really high up there. <laughs> well, actually, olives, olives were given, the olive tree was given as a gift to mankind. Athena? From Athena? By Athena, yes. Yeah. For the Romans, it's spaghetti sauce. It's marinara. Mm-hmm. That was that was the god of the god marinara, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I believe it was Chef Boyardee is the god. So it's interesting. <laughs> I, I I've learned to, I've learned that I can't actually listen to you all the time when you talk because I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just get completely off track. So apparently even in the as late as the 1800s, veneration of or worship, you know, sort of local minor worship of this god was still fairly prevalent. Wow. Because, you know, it there was such a, a strong fishing culture for so long. Right. Yeah. You pray to the to the guy who can make that happen or make make it bountiful or or change the weather accordingly and if you have to have like last vestiges of a pantheon, that's the way to go. It's you know, going to be the ones that are the most relevant and practical. It's not Chuckles who gets the tangles out of your hair. It's the guy who gets you the fish. I do keep an altar for Chuckles, though. Right. But it's a little one. It's, it's, it's small. smaller than yours. It's in the yeah. bathroom. Right. Of course. Where BB-12 is not allowed to go. <laughs> exactly. That's Chuckles' domain, BB-12. Don't go in there. There's a reference to... A fisherwoman winding the words around her fishing rod, thanks be to him, to Njord, for this time. Like carving it in? Yeah, or writing it or putting it on a ribbon ribbon or something. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, thank you, Njord. Thank you, Njord. Nick, why don't we dive into these lyrics? Sure. Let us. Feet fixed firm. Some really good alliteration there. Oh, yeah. On windswept headland, we talked about headland just last week. It's the cliff leading down into water. 
far above the raging sea, which is a headland, lord of all the stormy deeps, the wealth of ages at his knee. Feet fixed firm on winds and far above the raging sea, lord of all the stormy deeps, the wealth of ages at his knee. Why the wealth of ages, Nick? Because he is the god of wealth. In what way does the sea relate to wealth? Well, the the wealth of fish. The fishes, yes. You know, the, the bounty. The shoals of herring, to reference another old Scottish song. And also just the fact that in going out and plundering, you bring back wealth as well, which yeah. if you are blessed by Njord, you will have a successful trip. All trade at that time, pretty much, goes over the sea at some point of its journey. Right. And some of it do sink. Some do. And so, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, it's an image which which is resonant to me with Davy Jones's locker. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Was Njord responsible for the Titan submersible? You got too close to his, Ooh. his goods too soon? I don't know that any godly influence was needed to make that disaster happen. I think that was yeah. pure hubris of man. Yeah. Big talking point for the Greeks, hubris. Yeah. Big talking point for the Greeks, submersibles. <laughs> Olive oil. Olive oil. <laughs> Protects and nurtures navigators, raiders bold who loot and plunder, giving strength to hold at bay the tallest wave, the savage thunder. Protects and nurtures navigators, raiders bold who loot and plunder, giving strength to hold at bay. I'm really liking the rhyme scheme on this. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I feel like we haven't had so blatant a rhyme scheme, but this feels more like what you would hear for like a rowing ship, you know, like a steady beat. Huh. Here we go. Interesting. Savage thunder giving strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not as slow and steady a beat, but it's there. I mean, there is definitive... Obviously, we've we've got that rhyme scheme, which puts that in mind. I think that's well observed. There's a scholarly citation of Havmanersker, who are sea people, who have some sort of a historical connection to Njordr. They're actual humans, or are they like the Dark Elves? Mm -hmm. What do you mean by sea people? Seeple, if you will. Um, I will, and I think that it is not clear, but I'm wondering if applications are open. <laughs> still accepting applicants to be a sea person. You know that I've, I'm still obsessed with Sealand. Is that an amusement park? No, it's the, <laughs> it's the world's most interesting micronation. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Remember? Yes, 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 yes. So if I ever apply to become a citizen of Sealand, I will also make a little shrine to Njordr. That's right. I had to talk you out of spending money to become a citizen of Sealand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I control the pocketbook in this relationship. <laughs> Somebody has to. <laughs> so, yes, I think, you know, it, it really... So much of what we associate with Nordic culture or Viking culture was this idea of the raiders who would, mm. as we talked about for various historical reasons, 
to some extent as a bit of a reaction to the monoculture of Christianity, which was making some of Central Europe say, no, no, we only want to do business with other, with other Christians. There was a little bit of a reaction from some of the Norse peoples to say, okay, well, we still like your gold very much. And so uh, we're going to come and get it anyway, yeah. whether or not you'll trade with us. If you won't trade it, I'll take it. And then I get to keep my seaweed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so having a deity who specifically nurtures that venture, very, very useful thing to have. Yeah. I love that verse three is really a continuation of verse two. Then to bring them home again, safe to revel in their fame with tales of valor, harsh and virile, treasures taken in God's names. Which I love that turn of phrase. Yeah. It's a little like a little dig to the monotheists. Yeah, right. Right. We do this for Thor. We celebrate Njord for getting us there. We praise Odin for being able to write down how badass we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, apparently the Vikings were, were very well-groomed. Oh, and there are some historical accounts, which which differs greatly from the individuals of Central Europe. So their altar for chuckles was a lot, actually a lot bigger than we expected. Yes, yes, yeah. No, there, there's, there are a lot of descriptions of like how you should comb your beard and what oils to put on your skin to make sure that you're sweet smelling and, and how to bathe. You know, in contrast to the medieval peoples of Europe who said you should never bathe more than once a year because then you'll make a hole in your dirt cake on your skin, which will let disease in. Contrary to Elizabeth I, who carried a bath with her wherever she went. She specifically carried out on her back. She, she, she. Like a, like a snail. Like, like a snail. But apparently there are historical reports of men, Central European men, complaining that their women kept running off with the Vikings because they were so nice smelling and and well groomed can you blame them i won't <laughs> i've met some very charming norse big old viking men who smelled good yeah i was charmed yeah yeah you're like you know what i'll yeah sure i'll go okay. what am i leaving behind cabbage Cab cabbage and potatoes cabbage and, and a potatoes house made out of sod and the guilt of catholicism no thank you no thank you yeah. Take me away in the order. <laughs> I call this meeting to new order. <laughs> this whole court is out of new order. I'd like to new order some uh, some crab cakes, please. <laughs> Speaking, of, Speaking which, of crab cakes. Yes, we now get the switch. Nick, take it away. Crab me up. Crab pots stacked, fat diesel straining. Can we just pause and appreciate the beauty of that line? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's very evocative. It is exactly what you would expect sung about when you watch Deadliest Catch. Give it to me one more time. Crab pots stacked, fat diesel straining. And that really did it for me. Okay, keep yeah, going. Okay. At the white and foam-flecked wave, echo-sounding, semen-rounding, dark mole skirts, a washery grave. Crab pots stacked. Echo sounding, 
semen rounding dark mole skirts a watery grave, I think is really all where it ought to be broken. What is mull in that context? A mull, mull is, has a lot of different definitions here, but for the Scottish definition, it is a promontory. Oh. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense because sure a promontory may have hazards that are unseen. Or be a hazard even if you're not seeing it as if it's jutting out into the water enough. Right. Obviously, you want to round it, semen rounding dark mull. And if you don't round it appropriately, that's a great spot to have hidden rocks that can just rip an absolute death-dealing hole in your boat. And that would therefore be your watery grave. Your watery grave. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite places that I've been to is the northern part of Spain to a place called Galicia. I'm sure we've talked about it. There's a big seafaring culture there. The, the men who go out and collect seafoods, foods of the sea, if you will, are considered the heroes of the, you know, they're like the firemen and snowplowers of oh, New York, you know? Yeah. They're the important people in the culture. And the coast in that area is so rocky and so jagged that one part of it is called La Costa de la Muerte, the coast of death. Because it's so treacherous that yes. people die. Right, yeah. Going out there. But sometimes they don't die and they bring back limpets and mussels and, and whippets and things. Whippets? <laughs> um, not those. I was thinking of a different thing. Cockles? Not called uh, cockles, whelks. Whelks, I was thinking of a whelk. A whippet is a dog. It's a small dog. Or a CO2 cartridge. It's also that, yeah. Right. We're going to do whippets and then eat some clams. They bring whippets with them. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get them through. Right. That makes sense. As, a, as an emotional support animal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going back to the last verse here, it's actually a continuation of the verse prior to it. So we go, we'll go back to echo sounding, semen rounding, dark mole skirts a watery grave, which calls to lure brave mm. navigators who venture far from harbor home. Mm. My favorite line of the entire thing coming up, burning with that lust of feisty fisher folk who live to roam. Which calls to lure navigators who venture far from harbor home, burning with that lust of feisty fisher folk who live to roam. Lust of feisty fisher folk. I want that on my headstone. I want that to be my epitaph he was burning with the lust of fishy fiker folk he was burning with the lust for feisty fisher folk there you go who lived to rome he loved to live to live he lived to rome and he roamed to live he died doing what he lived while roaming which was burned with a lust of feisty fisher folk <laughs> Your gravestone is going to be a very complicated structure. Be yeah, it's going to have a lot of... It'll have pages. You can turn it. <laughs> I think it'd be really funny to have a gravestone. You know, it says like, beloved husband, friend, and, and son. Beloved, and then like, beloved is struck through. Liked husband, <laughs> friend. That's struck through. Tolerated. <laughs> Dealt with. <laughs> I feel like there are those out there. I think it'd be fun to have a, you know, yeah. revision. Yeah. I don't plan on having a headstone, but that would be nice. 
if you had a headstone, you could have like a phrase on it and then you could have in red the grammatical corrections. Yes, perfect. I love that. Yeah. 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 Here lies a pedantic son of a bitch. <laughs> a fa- loving father who we loved, crossed out whom. <laughs> Insert comma here. <laughs> D plus. Why is this capitalized? <laughs> Please choose a, a sans serif font. Did you mean for Comic Sans? Oh, jeez. You would have a gravestone with Comic Sans. Papyrus? Question mark? <laughs> the lyrics are pretty straightforward. You know, we've got our past and our present, and it works. It calls to mind that the Vikings struggling, going out, doing what they need to do for fish, for, for roaming, for plunder, for looting, and then present day, the crabmen, the fishermen who go out and uh, do pretty much the same thing without, hopefully, without the raping and pillaging. Right. But the thing that's similar is you head out in your boat, you know what your desire is, you know what the resources that you have at your disposal are, but you don't know how that's going to pan out. You might come back empty-handed and have spent a load of money on fuel and come back with nothing and have to tell your baby mama that she ain't going to get no pair of shoes for Christmas and go straight back to your dealer and get hooked on heroin again, or you might come back and have tons of money. To pay for your heroin. To pay for your heroin addiction. Yeah, you know why you're going out. And you can plan as best you can. You can look at the weather, you can look at the life cycle and the breeding cycle of the crabs. You can use your fancy nav system. But that's about it. Speaking of fancy nav systems. Speak about it. So I went to a Nickel Creek concert a week ago less than a week ago and they have a song called i'm the lighthouse and before oh yes before that song chris Thiele brought up that the government is decommissioning lighthouses right because of gps yeah because they they just don't need them anymore right and they're actually apparently they're actually auctioning off the lighthouses so you could go and buy like a government decommissioned lighthouse i got the top bunk the very top bunk. The very top bunk. On it's top, on of, the top light. of the light. Yeah, yeah. You, you just go spin around the rest of the yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. You can have that one. That's okay. <laughs> That'd be great. That's really interesting. And I'm always fascinated by superstitions. I tend to be a non-superstitious person in most regards. I have tried to excise superstitious behavior from my life for the most part whenever I notice it because for me, I don't find it useful. Right. But I'm fascinated at where it crops up in modern life. And one of the things that I have noticed, no doubt you have as well, that actors, people in the entertainment industry, are much more likely to be crystal fanatics, tarot practitioners, Mm. astrology-influenced people than somebody with a nine-to-five. It took me a long time to figure out why that was. I thought it was because artistic people are in touch with the divine. I realize that's not true. It has to do with the fact that they're... Lifestyle is so unpredictable. There's so much that is outside Mm. of their control. And so if there are things that are outside your control, you tend to look for unknowable ways of influencing the situation. Well, if I wear my lucky underpants to this audition, I'll book it because I booked an audition last time I was wearing these lucky underpants. That I was going to tie on to, though, for all of that, for all of the foo-foo, woo-woo actor stuff that we have both been exposed to over the last 30 years. Yeah. Sports fans. Oh, it's exactly the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Because they have no control over that situation. But the Sox won when they were had their toe dipped in barbecue sauce. Exactly. So now 
every game. It gives them the illusion of having control over something. And it's the same thing with seafarers. Mm. One of the things that I love about the program, The Deadliest Catch, is you get to see some of these really superstitious behaviors. I remember there's this whole episode where there's a boat out there and they're having terrible luck. They're having terrible luck. They're having terrible luck. And the captain eventually says, all right, we're going to have to do it. And all the crew is like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to do it. We, oh, we're going to do it. And there's a new guy, a greenhorn on the boat. And he's like, do what? What are you going to do? And they're like, you'll find out. We're all going to do it right now. And they all, and the captain shaves his head and gives himself a mohawk. And then one by one, all the crew sit down and this captain shaves their heads and gives them all mohawks. And they're like, all right, Greenhorn, you're up. And he's like, no, I'm not going to shave my head and get a mohawk. Whatever excuse he is, he's just not into it. And they all get pissed at him. They all ostracize him. They're like, you don't mess with tradition. This is what we do. Because they had a really good haul when they all had mohawks? Uh-huh. And eventually, he's like, fine, whatever. He lets them give him a mohawk. And they immediately start catching crazy quantities of crab. I know. it's There's so much that's psychosomatic about it. There's so much that's placebo about it. Yeah. But then there are times when, like, they physically have not been pulling in crabs until literally the last guy acquiesces and gets a mohawk, and then they pull in crabs. And of course, you know, maybe that doesn't work every single time. My Seinfeld impression. Where'd the crabs come? They shave their heads! Yeah. <laughs> speechless. It's wow. very rare that I make you speechless. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up Seinfeld. Look up the Seinfeld show where he's like a caricature of himself. That's how he talks. Like this. What's the deal with airplane food? Why are there crabs? Crabs can't fly. Very 90s, 80s uh, yeah. stand up. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Anyway. I think that's something that must have been very, something that is a parallel or a continuous thread from the old days of seafaring to the modern day of seafaring are some of these superstitions and belief in a higher power bigger than yourself because you're literally floating on it. Right, yeah. You don't have that illusion of like, oh yeah, I have control over my life because I'm on land and like things stay where I put them. Things stay. (laughs) That illusion is gone at sea. It's the extreme of like, yeah, an actor's like, oh man, I... I really need to book this job so I can pay my rent. Or I need to shave my head so I don't die at the bottom of the ocean, you know? It's the extreme version of that. So I would be much more interested in that. Nick, anything else to say about the Navigators? Navicrocodiles. No, I don't have anything. I think we covered it. I think that was good. Have you ever fared at sea? I didn't fare well when I was at sea. I have motion sickness, so I don't I don't travel well. <laughs> I haven't been on a boat in a while. Generally, it's it's not a good time for me. Um, I like kayaking for what it's worth. I have a little more control over my destiny in a kayak than sure. I do on a on a boat. And it's I've never been on yeah, I've never been on the ocean. It's always been like the upstate oh, New York lakes, you know. Interesting, yeah. I love boats for their metaphorical i love seafaring metaphors go on i just love the whole vibe you do you do i do i i think that you know ships and sailing are a great metaphor for life they provide ample metaphors for life i don't know if the reality of being a sailor would appeal to me that much but i have a big painting of the hms victory on the wall here a lot of our houses nautical themed in some subtle way or not so subtle ways 
There's a sign on the door saying, pretend you're on a boat when you come in or we'll kick you out. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. So I would just throw up the entire time I'm at your house. That would be appropriate, yes. Okay, great. Anything great. less and we would, you'd be a rude guest. Yeah. We have a seagull trapped in one of our closets. <laughs> Guess which one. You have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we are talking about the penultimate track off of this album, really the last of the substantial tracks, because yep. our final is kind of the bookend, you know. Mm -hmm. So we are talking about Guardian's Watch. We are going to Ragnarok it out next week for you. And until then, I have something that will protect and nurture you. What is it? It is... A Talk Tall to Me t-shirt, which you can protect your back and nurture your heart. You can find our swag at the link in our show notes at the T Public page for Feckless Moms. If you want a place, if you were searching for a venue to revel in your fame and tales of valor, harsh and virile, why not join our Patreon? I just had a Mitch McConnell moment. <laughs> Why don't you join Shit your britches Join our Patreon where you can get access to our Discord chat Filled with brave tall skulls from across the nation And indeed the world I don't need you to stack crab pots I would prefer you stack stars Five stars in particular When you rate and review our podcast Five stars, not two stars Five stars, if you could, please. Until next week, I am wearing a dark and mulling skirt, Homan Thomas said. I am burning with that lust for feisty, feckless folk, Nick McGill. This is the sound of fat diesel straining the feckless moms. And we are the treasures taken in God's names. Talk tell to me. All right, you wee greenhorn, step aboard the Njord's Revenge. I'll doubt if you'll last a single week. What's your name, boy? My name's William, sir. William, sir. Let me see. Check the list here. Unfortunately, I'm illiterate and can't read a damn thing. Come on board here. Bring your baggage. Set it down right here. <clears throat> Spoken like a true man. Now show me your hands. Here they are, sir. Stuffed as a baby's backside. You'll have blisters covering those paws in 24 sea hours out here, William, sir. Sir, pardon my ignorance, but is a sea hour different than a, a land hour? You've got a lot to learn. Meet me back here at 12 bells. Oh, ding, 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 it's time for our meeting. I'm so confused, sir. I'll just stand here until you're ready. Next, the first thing you gotta know is at sea we do things a little differently. You let all Salty show you the ropes. First thing is, before you touch any piece of machinery, you gotta spit on your left hand and wipe it on your right foot. Huh, okay. Show me how you can do it, boy. Uh, 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 uh,
Good spitting, good oh, spitting. Oh, you. you'll make a fine sailor. I was so nervous. Yeah, sure. I dried out. I remember me first time spitting on me left hand and remembered it on my right foot. That's how you ensure the bad luck don't follow your sinister hand to the machinery and it keeps the machinery running smooth. Mmm, okay, that, that, I guess that makes sense. Now, now why are we out here, young, young William? We're, we're out here to catch fish? That's Sir? right! Oh, okay. You're smarter than our last greenhorn. I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> In order to catch a fish, you gotta think like a fish. And to, got, to think like a fish, you gotta eat like a fish. So, at the start of the day, each of us takes this handful of chum and takes a big bite out of it, just like this. Watch me. Oh, God. Oh, so we don't have to, we don't have to swallow it? You do have to swallow it, but oh. then you can throw it back up. We don't have to keep it down. No, okay. no, no, no. But if you can, we'll be impressed. Here, here's your first handful. Oh, he's got a feisty appetite, this one. Not even thrown up yet. Oh, you'll you'll make first mate in no time. I don't feel well. That's good. Take a shot of rum. Oh, it burns. <laughs> I meant for you to take it in your mouth, but that works as well. <laughs> now, the most important thing is, when you have the night watch, yes. our lives are all in your hands. Right. Uh, you have to stay awake, you have to stay alert. Okay. You know, there's three things you must do. Tell me. I'll write them down. First thing is, you drink a pot of coffee that has been brewed with coffee instead of water. Oh, okay. I get it, yeah. <laughs> Mix it with Red Bull. Yes, okay. Take this methamphetamine. <laughs> okay. And then if you start to feel tired, slap yourself, silly. It's called, I believe that's called a black bull, isn't it? <laughs> it's called a black bull, that's right. <laughs> the second thing you must do. Oh, that was, the, that was just the first? <laughs> that was the first thing you do on oh, the Lord. night watch. Okay. That's right. hour one. Right, okay, I'm ready. Got six hours to get through. What's, what's two? <laughs> In your second hour... What we call the ghost hour. If you see a strange light at sea, yes. whatever you do, yes. don't touch the radio and report a ship lost. Oh. It's Davy Jones trying to tempt us to this watery grave. Oh. What you want to do is get out your double-barreled shotgun and yes. fire three shots at it with these special silver bullets. Straight in front of me, no matter where that light is. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Follow it. If you say so. Straight off the bow of the boat. If you hit the Coast Guard, they'll understand. Okay. And the third thing. God. The third thing. In the yes. sixth hour of the watch, okay. that's when the voices will start talking to you. Oh, the no. voices of drowned sailors from the deep. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they're only can be tuned out by one thing, me boy. Oh, Once God. at this point of the night, the methamphetamine cocktail is wearing off and your yes. coffee is but a distant memory of your butthole. <laughs> what you must do is... Plug in the crow's nest speakers, which are waterproof. Yes. And blast this disc. It'll keep us on alive, matey. It's a disc of Doc Tultimy, which is a proud member of the Feckless Mobes Audio Network. Oh, it's not worth it. Goodbye. Well, Sammy, we got another three to interview today. Bring in the next one. Bring in the next one. Bring in the next one.